gosh, what a beautiful, beautiful gift we were given today in music. So again, thank our choir and thank Mark for the gifts you bring and share with us. I guess I should ask this, uh, I'm going to start this with this question, who has their tree up now? All right, does anybody not have their tree up? Is anybody still working on it? It's happening, huh? I know, mine is not fully up. I guess it's up. It's up, but it's not decorated. Mine's not decorated. And um, I got it up. One of the reasons why it's not decorated is the limbs are still going like, they're still going up, like toward heaven or something like that. And so they haven't really settled yet, but I got it in a couple nights ago, two nights ago. My friend uh, Sam helped me. This is my next-door neighbor, my bald-headed friend, and uh, he just knows everything. He's one of those old-timers who just knows everything, and I remember we got it in. It's sort of a big tree. We got it in, and I'm, I'm at the bottom here, and I'm trying to arrange it. He's, like, he's yelling at me, do it, do it like this, do it like this, and he's just telling me all the things I'm doing wrong. And then he's like, okay, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And I step back, and the tree is like, I don't know what angle you would be. Maybe like, if this is 90, it's probably like a 75 or something. Either way, his heart is in the right place. That's the important thing. His heart is in the right place. But it's a little different this year than it was uh, the last few years. The last few years, the, my primary helper in the getting the tree up is uh, Rachel's son, Matthew. He just is... And it's so crazy. I have seen this kid just grow up the last five or six years. He's become a big, strong, he's bigger than me now. I never thought it would happen. But he's not bigger. In the last year, last year when we got the tree, and he did it all by himself. We got it off the, the trooper there. And I was just sort of in the way, you know? Like I was trying to help him, but he was just like, get out of my way, old man. I just, I don't need you, and we finally got it up. Of course, it's not easy getting up. It's always a challenge getting it up and the right thing and the right thing. But, and we started to decorate it, but I could tell, I'm just going to be honest, that Matthew was a little less interested in it last year than he had been in years past. And I think we really, we got, we got him to get up maybe two ornaments, maybe one candy cane or something like that. I mean, he just, there's something that happens when you turn 17 where the idea of putting tinsel on a tree... It's not as important anymore, right? But it wasn't always like that. At one time, they would fight over the, de like, who's the decorations to put on? Or we were doing the lights, and they would say one thing or another. But no, we're not. They, it really mattered. It was a really big deal. And it was sort of interesting. You know, when you're putting up that tree, there's a lot of anxiety with it. You know, there is for me, you know, it's never quite perfect, the lights don't work right or whatever. And yet after it's all up, after it's, it's there and it's bright and it's shining and you turn off all the lights and just sort of let the magic happen, there's something incredible about it. And I can't really put it into words. I don't really even know how to explain it. But I'll tell you what, you know, and, and the crazy thing is you don't even have to be celebrating Christmas to have it. So one of the other things that, that I do, or we do, I should say, is we celebrate Hanukkah when we remember. It's Hanukkah right now. 
And uh, the person who celebrates, Ronnie and I celebrate it more than anybody. And Ronnie lights the candles, and I say the prayer. And when you light those candles, and you put it in the window, and you just see them burning, there is something ancient and beautiful about that experience. And it's just incredible to be, just to be a part of it for just a moment. Now, I'm going to tell you what my favorite moment in all of this stuff is, all the Christmas tree, Hanukkah. My favorite moment is after everybody has settled down, people have gone to bed, and all it is is that I'm locking up the doors, maybe turning off some lights, and the tree's still on, and it's silent. And there's something beautiful about that moment where I'm just sort of all alone. It's so peaceful and beautiful. I don't know, it just, it feels like Christmas. And if there was anything to be able to say there is a piece of Christmas, I feel it in that moment. You know, this week's Advent is about peace. You know, uh, as you know, I am still learning a lot about Advent, so I don't know all the specifics, the ins and outs, and already, but, but I know that this one is about peace, and I thought it would be very easy. I thought this would be the easiest because, gosh, you know, Quakers and peace, right? And then I realized, gosh, how do you talk to Quakers about peace? They already know it all. You know, what can I tell you that you don't already know, you know? So I was talking to folks. So I, was, I sort of, when I'm doing these messages, I'm sort of talking to folks to get an idea. And I was talking to my dad yesterday. I talked to my dad every, there's one day that I've got to talk to my dad every single year. So Rachel has this with her dad with the Marine Corps. I don't know, does anybody know anything about the Marine Corps and when the birthday is for the Marine Corps? <laughs> Gosh, we have some people who know. Yeah, I believe it is November 10th. Is that right? Okay, Marine Corps. Anyway, she has to. She calls her dad on on Marine Corps. Birth. I've got to call my dad on the Army Navy game day. <laughs> Golly, yeah, because he went to West Point. He's part of the old gray line, right? And go Army, beat Navy. Yeah. Gosh, we had a great victory yesterday. It's great. We won by like a foot or something. <laughs> by a foot. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. On that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so funny that on this day of the year, they are fighting so much, and they're, they're in the troops, and you can see them you know, going back and forth and stuff. And yet, for every other day of the year, they're on the same side. They're sort of sharing a, maybe a similar mission. But on this one day... I get to let it all out. You know, it reminds me a little bit about our elections and stuff like that. I wish we could carry that forward there where we know that election day is just one day. But afterward, we go back to being on the same team, in the same community, the same folks around us. So anyway, I was talking to my dad, and he goes to First Centenary there in Chattanooga, which is a congregation of about, oh God, 4,000 people, something like that. 2,500 members. I don't know how you do the multiplication on that, but a lot of folks. And they're doing Advent too, don't you know? So we're sharing that with them. And of course, I don't know a lot about it, but what they're doing is a devotional, a daily devotional that they're doing. And, 
And the devotional this week was about peace, but it was sort of interesting. My dad was sort of talking to me about it. He's like, it's five fingers. And he said, well, the first one is the thumb, and the thumb is sort of closest to, to your heart and to you. And then he went to the pointer finger, and then the middle finger, and then the third. I, I don't remember all the fingers. I know I sort of get the general idea. But it's sort of interesting. As he was going on, I thought of an idea in my own head that was a little bit better, more of an image that sort of connected with me than just five fingers. And it's sort of interesting, we got to the end of his fingers, and he's like, I don't even know if that was about peace. But here's, here's my image, here's my image. And my image is that of an apple. Instead of fingers, an apple with different layers, and each one of those layers sort of represents something about our spiritual journey, especially in that in peace. So the first thing I'm going to ask is, have everybody, has everybody eaten an apple here? Has anybody not eaten an apple? Allergic to apples or anything like that? Now, have you ever eaten the whole apple? All right. Have you eaten the whole apple with like the seeds and the stem and the, the crunchy parts and stuff? All right. Well, I have. All right. I used to be proud of that fact that I could eat the whole apple. Apparently, the whole apple is pretty good for Anyway, the, if you get to the heart of that apple, if you're getting to the very heart of it, what do you get to? The core, but also the seed. The seed, right? Now, we talked about some stuff last week when it came to what early friends sort of thought of was sort of the description of the soul. And we use the word, or they use the word, I should say, the eternal. The eternal. But one of the other words that they would often use is the seed of God. Or the seed of light. Or you could say the seed of the eternal. Or peace. And for us, that is, is sort of in line with Jesus being the sort of the peace that goes beyond transcendence. Now, it's, so when I keep saying this stuff, like the seed and eternal and things like that, you could say, gosh, he keeps saying the same stuff over and over again. Listen to the seed. Listen to the voice. With, there's a seed. What is it? Gosh, well, he says the same thing. Well, all right, if you had listened to George Fox, he would be saying the same thing too, right? If you ever look at any of his sermons, has anybody read his sermons or anything like that? Gosh, they're all the same. They are all the same. He could go 45 minutes, an hour, and it's all going to be about the seed of God is within you. You have God within you. Why are you waiting for me to tell you? You already got it. it he said it again and again. And all of the rest, all of all that what is just commentary. That truth within you, that's what it's about. Well, how do you nurture that? How do you find that? You know, on Thanksgiving Day, this past Thanksgiving, Thursday, I was walking around, I was a little bit, I had a lot on my mind, and I just took a long walk, and I found myself at a little pond I had never been before in the little neighborhood. And I just sat there by that pond, and it was so quiet and so peaceful. And I felt for a moment, I just said to myself, this is it. This is the seed of peace. Now, if you keep going on, if you keep going from the seed, you get to that crunchy part. That's the core. 
If you've ever eaten a core, you know it's a little, it's a little crunchy, right? It gets stuck in the back of your throat. But the core is important because without a core, the seed is just sort of adrift. And when I see a core, what I think of is it is our family, our friends, the people we are closest with in this world. It's the very people that sort of protect this light, this seed. And they're so important. They, they, it is so important. And, and, and if you, gosh, isn't it crazy that you know some people in this world who don't have that core? I knew a member in hospice once, or a person in hospice once. He was a stalwart in our community. One of the, I mean, great in this area. He was a fire chief of this town for many, many decades. Everybody admired him. But his friends wouldn't talk to him. His friends just did, I mean, they, not his friends, I mean, his children wouldn't talk to him. Because in the days before, this man knew God, he loved God, but before he knew God, he, he was in his drinking days. And he had made some bruises that could never be healed. And it made me oof, hurt for him. And the key is, I think one of the questions we have to do is we have to know, if, is there peace in our core? in our family, among the people that we are closest to. We go out further, we get to the fruit. Gosh, everybody loves the fruit. It's the juicy part. It's the nutritious part. It's the, oh, the taste delicious and wonderful. And, and the way I look at fruit is sort of it's our community. It's our neighbors. It's the people that we have these. We're going to have a next week at a little bit beyond this, we're going to have a Christmas cookie party in my neighborhood. And we're all getting together. I'm bringing Petbridge Farm. I don't know if you know that specific style. It's a, it's a recipe that I actually, we're probably, we're not going to do that. But you know when I bring those things, they all go, all of them. You know, when I bring Petbridge, you know, we're going to get together. It's these moments that we share that is truly the marrow of life. It's where we really sense it within our lives and in our hearts right? And it can be within not just our neighborhood, but very, this very community right now. And our chicken suppers and our potlucks and our times we celebrate and worship together. You know, and, and, and it, it's something to remind us how valuable each and every one of us is to this community. You know, if you were to go to First Centenary right now, no one would know who you are. And I don't know if they would really care. Because there's plenty of people there. But you're known here. We love you here. We see your value and your gifts here. Here, you're a minister. Here, you are a prince or princess of peace. Which leads me to the skin. Gosh, the skin. The outside. And it makes you wonder what we do with our outside because without this skin, the skin protects the fruit. Without the skin, the fruit would rot very quickly. And it's so sad. In some ways, you can tell a little bit about the fruit by looking at the skin. If it's all rotten on the outside, if it's got... Whenever I've eaten an apple with a worm in it, I knew I was going to eat an apple with a worm in it. 
What's our skin look like? If this congregation had a skin like that, what would it be like? I knew a congregation one time who, we had this wallpaper on the wall, it had not been changed since 1895. that good skin, healthy skin. It's not the it. There's one more layer of it, and, and I, it's a hard phrase to say. I want to say the deer or the eater or the farm. I don't know exactly how to say but the last part of the apple is the eater. Because an apple uneaten is just, well, it's just an apple. But if you know anything about the seeds of apple, they don't just grow up right next to the tree. Somebody has to carry them out. A deer, us, a farmer, and plant that seed in order for it to grow again. It's all working together. And that's the miracle of it. That's the beauty of it. You know, I wanted to share a story. I, don't, I know it's been a while. The, the story of Sam and Miriam Levering. We talked about their son last week who wrote a play about Quakers, but does, do people know about that, the apple orchard folks? How many people know about those guys? How many never heard of them? I never had before, okay, or just a little bit. Well, Sam and Miriam Levering fell in love at Cornell University. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's the kind of place I guess, you know, snows like. I guess you fall in love in a place like that. But not a lot to do. But either one of the things they did is they listened to a guy named Rufus Jones, a very famous Quaker minister, who challenged them to live with a purpose that is greater than yourself. Gosh, it's easy to live for yourself, but who will live for a purpose greater than yourself? And it was at that moment, after they, heard, they, they committed themselves that they would spend 50% of their life working hard for a living and 50% living for peace. And that's how they were going to divide it. And the way Sam had realized that the only way you'd have the flexibility and the time to do that is to start an apple orchard. I guess it would allow them to, to go do peace work between cuttings or whatever, or the harvest. And... He, he later on, I guess apples weren't very good. He went into the cherry business and he almost lost everything, right? And so if you know these people, and I never knew them, they were really poor. I never knew them, but they, they drove a Dodge Dart, if that says anything, with 600,000 miles on it. But in the process of that, they did sort of start FCNL, the first religious organization that talked, lobbied the Congress to say, you know what, Quakers, we have beliefs and values we feel you should know about. And in between, apparently, the, you know, if you couldn't even give them your bed, they would sleep on the floor in sleeping bags. Right? But in between that, they went to the UN and did the same thing. They said, you know what, UN, you need to hear the concerns of the Quakers and other religious groups. And now there's a huge building right next to the UN which specifically addresses those concerns. Apparently, they could not even basically afford Mickey D's. And so they would go with their own food pretty much everywhere they went. 
And yet, they were instrumental in farming, uh, creating a nautical and maritime treaty that is the model of peacekeeping and other treaties throughout the world. These guys are from Mount Airy. Meeting. I guess a little over the Virginia. And, but it goes to make you realize that somebody from Mount Airy Meeting can change the world. Can absolutely change the world. And I wonder, it makes me ask, what would they think of my little apple metaphor if they were here today? Would they connect with it? Because the more I read about them, the more I think they sort of had all those things together. Now I want to go back to that seed. That moment of peace. It makes me wonder if, if that, that moment was like that first Christmas. That sort of reflection, that moment of silence. And so, you know, you got to remember that first Christmas, it was crazy busy. I mean, they were running around. They had to get to Christmas on time. I mean, they, I mean, they, they were going from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There's a census going on. There's no room at the inn. I mean, that innkeeper saw Mary and said, no way. I mean, the inn is full. We do not need a, a noisy, loud, messy, perhaps bloody, I mean, just, we don't need it here. And so he sent her on her way. But you know what? Those shepherds knew. Those shepherds heard it because they had heard the voice of angels. And it makes me wonder after they came and they worshipped and they, they worshipped the king. You know, I wonder. After all the hubbub and all the craziness and all the moving and going, after all of it was done and, and it was late in the evening. And Mary and Jesus were asleep. I wonder if Joseph had a moment where he sort of was just basking in that light, smiling, knowing and feeling the peace of Christmas. Christmas.